Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to our informational playground. This is Star Style, be the star you are. It is brought to the airways under the auspices of Be The Star You Are Charity, and I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, broadcasting live from the Voice America Empowerment Channel, and we've been coming to you live every week since 1998, and we strive to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations, because my goal is always to catapult you from wishing upon a star to imagining your dreams as if they've already happened talking as if you are living your dreams and acting like everything you have to do is to be the person you were born to be. You are the writer, producer, director, and star of your own life, so know that you have already arrived. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity, empowering women, family, and youth through increased positive media and literacy. You can visit BeTheStarYouAre.org for more information. This is a source unknown, but I love the quote. The miracle moment is, the life you lead is the lesson you teach. The life you lead is the lesson you teach. And that just gets me right into what our show is going to be about today. In a segment one, we're going to talk about the gift of dreams and really how to dream big and what you need to achieve your dreams. And I'm going to talk about how, what, how my dreams uh, established themselves from the time I was a little girl. And then transgressing right into that same theme You're going to meet Emmy Award-winning journalist and producer at Good Morning America, Mary Flume Peterson, who explores her family's complex history in her brand new, very raw debut memoir, White Dresses. We are going to venture inside the secret lives of nuns in the convent, 
Her mother was a nun before she was her mother. And we're going to learn about how mothers and daughters really bond even through the thick and thin of it all. It's a really fascinating read, and I think that you're going to enjoy that conversation. And then finally, in segment three, we're discussing burnout, because burnout is one of the largest challenges of any work environment. So how can you generate new enthusiasm for your job, you know, especially if you're older? Because we're going to find out how to connect with your coworkers, to enjoy your career more, and also to find a little bit more balance in your family life. So that will be our Star Style Be the Star You Are show for the day. And you can always find out more at starstyleradio.com. So I am excited about this one. Well, this is, I'm going to read to you first uh, from my book, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. It seems like it just fits so well today with our whole program of dreaming big and, and living the life that you want to live. That book is available from the charity. All the proceeds go to the charity. You can find it at starstaleradio.net and click on the store. Or you can also go to btsya.org. The Gift of Dreams. I am a dreamer. Always was, always will be. Dreaming is my magic carpet to happiness and success. When I was a little girl, I dreamed that one day I would be a famous ball bouncer. Now, you are probably wondering what is a ball bouncer. My parents had only told me that I had the ability to be anything I wanted to be, so I should reach for the stars. Well, until we got a television, my principal stars were circus performers. I'd seen so many dazzling acts, but no one who specialized in bouncing balls. I figured I had hit on a brand new idea for a star circus act. Every day I practiced bouncing balls, big balls, little balls, mobile balls. I especially remember being alone in our playroom with all the doors closed, talking to my audience while performing the spectacular feat of bouncing my tiny handball off the walls. I was the star, Cynthia, the great ball bouncer. (laughs) This was obviously the beginning for my dream of being in the entertainment profession. Then I saw the Disney movie, The Parent Trap, starring the British child idol Haley Mills. Oh, did my dream change, or perhaps expanded. Now I wanted to become an actress. I begged for singing, dancing, and baton twirling lessons. My sisters and I began performing at country fairs, Farm Bureau meetings, and school productions. I came alive when I was on stage. One day, a talent scout for Disney was in the audience at the fair where we were doing a leapfrog dance routine. He came backstage and asked my parents to let us appear in an upcoming film, which one, I'm not exactly sure, But it was starring Haley Mills. So my excitement was beyond belief. My dreams were coming true. But my parents said, no daughter of ours is going to be a Hollywood actress. They feared that the corruption of an innocent life in the limelight would just destroy my spirit. I remember being devastated that my parents felt that way about my dream. And at the time, they were my parents. And because they're parents, I thought they must know best. By then, I had started attending Catholic school and was completely entranced by the mystery and intelligence of the Holy Faith Sisters from Ireland. So I decided that becoming a nun would be just as good as being an actress. Oh, a new dream was born. By the time I turned eight, I had a beautiful reproduction of a Holy Faith habit. 
I had mastered, at least in my mind, the Irish lilt and dressed up as often as possible as a nun. The sisters indulged me and even let me wear the habit to school a few days every year. I was sure all the other students really believed I was a real nun. I did continue to perform in as many local activities as possible while studying and enriching my mind with the best education available, always knowing that my calling was the sisterhood. When I was 18, I actually traveled to Ireland with every intention of becoming a sister of the Holy Faith. My first grade teacher, Sister Mary Germain, who had returned to her homeland just a few months after she had taught me in, in first grade, met with me. I was staggered when she sweetly suggested that my vocation might not be the sisterhood after all. She offered me her black habit shawl as a memento, which I still treasure, and suggested I might be better suited for the bright lights. So I became an actress instead of a nun. Real dreams don't die easily. <laughs> I went away to college in both Europe and California, and while attending UCLA, I was selected to be on the TV show The Dating Game. I asked all the questions in several languages, and my date turned out to be a Hollywood idol of the time. Commercials followed, and eventually I realized that I was achieving my childhood dream of performing. I decided to follow my heart and go full steam ahead into the entertainment business. Sister Germaine became my biggest supporter and fan. Dreams are the catalyst for our heart's fulfillment. When we agree to follow our hearts, magic unfolds. As the song lyrics often say, if you don't have a dream, how can you make it come true? Although I was raised by the greatest parents on earth, they did not encourage my dream of being an actor. They didn't have enough information to help me. Once I had made the decision on my own as an adult, they supported me. But I had to struggle to find the way to my quote-unquote star. So when I consult with my parents uh, of the talented children that I coach today, the first question I ask the mom or the dad is, what does your child want? If the child wants to be an actor, I help them. I coach them. I mentor them. But if it's the parent's dream who have this dream for their child, I advise against an acting career as a career for that child until they can make the decision on their own. I believe with all my heart that whatever we dream, we can and will do if we want it enough. And the best thing we can give our children is the gift of support of their dreams. You know, there is no Prince Charming or there is no Xena Warrior Princess coming to our rescue. We have to dream our own dreams we have to find our own way. My son, Justin, had always wanted to follow in the footsteps of his grandfather, my dad, and become a farmer and a firefighter ever since he understood what the word farmer and firefighter meant. He was ridiculed by fellow students who had no idea what they themselves wanted in life, but he never lost sight of his own dream. Today, he is a firefighter. He's actually a captain in the fire department. He went to a, uh, to a top agricultural college, and he ran a farm. He dreamed his dream. He created his own future. Heather had always wanted to follow a bit in my footsteps, and as she adores acting and animals, she's been in front of the camera 
since she was about three days old, and she's raised and nurtured hundreds of critters, combining her two loves by doing a TV and radio segment with me called Animal Cuts. And I know that you know her because she usually does Health Matters or Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew with me. Together, we have formed such a mother-daughter bond because of the time that we've spent together all these years following our dreams. And after all, my original dream was to be a a ball bouncer. So even if my children or those of the kids I teach don't follow their exact dream and they change their dreams in the future, I will be there to support them. We all can change our dreams. Now, fantasy alone isn't enough if you want to live your dreams. You have to take the energy that dreams provide and use it to acquire the necessary skills and knowledge to make it all come true. And it can take years, so you have to be sure about what you want. And you have to be prepared to sacrifice. Dreams are not easy. Find a mentor, a coach, a supporter, just one person who knows you can do it. You have to get rid of the naysayers in your life. You have to have a cheerleader. And then you can believe in your dream and you can make it come true. Also know that you can have lots of dreams and that your dreams may change, alter, even reverse directions in the future. Turnabouts, deviations, and sometimes even replacements are a way of refining your dreams. Just keep on dreaming. You may not be able to achieve everything in life that you can in your dreams, but it is where you begin. So here's an exercise you can do to help yourself dare to dream. If you already uh, know what your dream is, that's great. But if you don't, the best way to find out is to write down what you love in life. What are you really, 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 really good at? What do you love to do? If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you try to do? Make a list. Keep writing until your hand hurts. If you didn't get paid a penny, what would you do or be just for the fun of it? What would make your heart sing? What would make the hours pass? The feeling of excitement and joy that would swell your heart. What is it that you want more than anything? This, my dear friends, is your dream. Happiness is doing what you love and loving what you do. And when you have identified your dream, you have to write it down in the first person, present tense. Post copies everywhere, on your computer, on the refrigerator, on your car mirror. Tell everybody you know about it. Think about it all the time because what we think about and talk about comes about. And that is when your dream is beginning. The bigger your dream with compassion and honesty, the happier you will be. So dream it and do it. And I know you can. And I will be there to support you every step of the way. I want you to live your dreams, and I want you to be the star you were born to be, because that is what life is all about. I also want you to go to globalgoals.org. Our radio network, Voice America Network, is uh, partnering with Global Goals in a global radio everyone campaign. So check it out at globalgoals.org, and let's get the world talking. We want to have positive messages happening. It's listening to radio for everyone, and Voice America will be there. When I come back from break, we have such a treat for you, because we're going to be talking with Mary Flume Peterson. 
She is the author of White Dresses, a memoir of love and secrets, mothers and daughters. And you know how much I love to talk about mothers and daughters here on this show. So don't go away. We'll be back in a bit with a lot more fun and some heart-wrenching stories when Mary joins us right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan live on the Voice America Network. And this is the Empowerment Channel. Don't go away. Back in a bit. The star you are. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are, you are the star. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a light that my heartfelt gratitude to everyone for staying with us here on Star Style Be the Star You Are, where we bring you the pioneers on the planets, the movers, the shakers, the people who really care, make a difference, and are adding value to our world. You are listening to Star Style Be the Star You Are on the Voice America Network coming to you live. Well, we have a really fascinating guest for you today. She is an Emmy Award winning journalist. She's worked with CNN and currently is a producer at Good Morning America and has written her first book, a, a memoir called White Dresses. Of It's called A Memoir of Love and Secrets, Mothers and Daughters. Mary Flume Peterson is her name. Welcome, Mary. Thank you for joining me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be with you tonight. Well, I want to tell you right away, the, your book, White Dresses, it, uh, it really held my heart from the moment I heard about it. First of all, I had always planned on being a nun, and I ended up com- becoming an actress instead. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, same difference, nun, actress, right? And mm-hmm. it was very interesting because your mother 
went to a convent, was there for 10 years, but really had a, a very devastating time. And so the whole idea of your book, White Dresses, chronicles your life from your grandparents meeting, getting married, to your parents, what they went through, to your childhood, to your adulthood. So it had to be a real catharsis to you because it wasn't so long ago that your beloved mother uh, passed on to the white, great white dresses in the sky. And I wanted to ask you, how did it start for you that you decided to write the book? I know you were in a, you took a YMCA class, but you really never, this is sort of an accidental book, right? Absolutely. It, it was it was a book that, uh, you know, it, it, it sounds so, so silly and tried to say, but it really did write itself. Uh, it, it, I had taken a, a class at my children's preschool. They, they attend preschool at a, at a YMCA uh, just a couple of blocks uh, away from our home. And, and I thought, well, my mother had died, and I, I had just given birth to our, our youngest child, uh, my first girl. So now I was a mother of a daughter. She was my first girl after three boys. I missed my mother terribly. My mother had died about a year and a half prior, and she didn't live to see me have a daughter of my own. And I was, I, I was taking the class to polish off a book of a very different nature. It was a chiclet. It was a novel. Very, very different in, in, in nature and tone. And, and there was a writing exercise at the beginning of this class, and it was uh, just designed to basically warm us up. It was like, you know, it was like a, you know, jumping jacks for writers <laughs> to get us going. And it was, they asked me to write about how I got my name. And I wrote about my name being Mary and my mother uh, giving me that name in large part because of her, her time in the convent. And she'd been a nun for nearly 10 years. It was a very difficult time in her life. It was always a rather mysterious time for me. I found out accidentally she, had, she was a nun. She didn't like to talk about it much. But uh, anyway, I, I talked about a lot of these things very briefly in this essay. And when I got done reading it aloud, several people in the class were very moved. Um, a couple of women had cried. A couple emailed me later. But the consensus very much was, you know, your novel's nice, but this, this is what really tugged at our heartstrings. This is what spoke to us. This is what we want to hear more about. We want to hear about your mother and you and your relationship and, and, and her life. And so I started writing more, and, and pretty quickly I, I realized um, that, yes, uh, to your point earlier, it, it was cathartic. I, I felt closer to her. I didn't know where the where this was going. I didn't know if it was going to be a book. I didn't know. Uh, I think it was good. I didn't know that if it was a book, if it was going to be published. And so then I think you write much more freely. And uh, just so much came out, and I wound up writing, I'd say, at least 30% of the book on on my my handheld, my phone. I was writing to my Hotmail account. Um, just between, I was, you know, I was breastfeeding full-time, the baby. I was working. Uh, I had four kids. I, I had a very demanding job. And so I didn't have much time to do it, but I, I wrote it largely <laughs> a taxi ride waiting for the door to open at school pickups uh, during basketball practice for my older boys. Um, and, and, and sure enough, um, this, this book came, came to shape. You know, it's, what I find so fascinating is both of us are Catholic, and your mother died, my father died, and I feel so much. Do you not feel that she's like your special angel and that yeah. for some reason... She might have helped get this book to write itself. <laughs> I, I believe that. My, my husband very much believes that. And my husband, I mean, he's a, he's a, a corporate attorney. He's not that, that 
that type. He's not to, a woo type. believe in that, but right. he really, really <laughs> believes in that. Um, and, uh, you know, he may be embarrassed that I'm, that I'm telling others that, but no, he, he's the one that actually brought it up to me. I mean, I've been thinking that a bit and, and no, he very much believes that I mean, he would see, you know, I'd be at the kitchen table and the, the baby would be nursing and I'd be hunting and packing and he, and, and he would look over my shoulder and the, the sentences were just coming together. You know, I wasn't to- toiling at all. I wasn't, um, you know, I had such limited time, but the book came together very quickly, and he honestly believes, yes, there was something whispering in that ear of like, okay, <laughs> I understand that. I mean, when I was writing Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, Learning to Make a Difference, that was the exact same feeling I had. It wrote itself. I always said it was divinely inspired, and I felt my father on my shoulder. And when I picked up white dresses, and I read it cover to cover, I felt your mother. I felt her, and so I'm not. I just, I just think that this book also uh, wrote itself. But it had to be such an interesting and also challenging a time for you uh, growing up, because as you said, you didn't find out that she was a nun until you and your friend found this picture of your yeah. mother uh, when you were going through some things, right? Why and we were, we were she, so she never told you about it, but. What do you think, I felt so, my heart always was tugging for your mom throughout the story because it sounds like her parents loved each other very much, but they weren't, they weren't very warm and cuddly like you are now to your children, to her and to her, uh, you know, and to her siblings. And so she was so alone. And when she went into the convent, she was treated so poorly and yet she still remained very devout uh, Catholic till the end of her days, and she never gave up on the church. And, of course, she had Father Vincent, who was so kind to her. What do you think kept her going? In, you know, I, I asked her that at a few points throughout um, my life with her because I saw how hard it was. I, you know, I, I, we were very close. Um, anyone out there who has a single mom or is a single mom, you know, you know how close that bond is uh, with a single mother and, and her children, I think especially the mother-daughter bond. So I would ask. I, I, I saw how much, no matter how, she tried very much to keep a, a rosy outlook so often around me, but obviously she, she was pretty beaten down. She she honestly, and her response was when I would say, how can you believe? She would say, you know, I, I, I don't know how not to believe. She, it was just so ingrained in her. She really felt something very strongly and deeply um, I think she 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 just couldn't see how how she she looked at the world often um, I think the way a child looks at the world and I say that as a mother of young children so often the kids will say something that my mother would say so we we often lose that that sense of wonder as we become adults but my mother didn't she was uh, fascinated by you know great big bumblebees and um, you know sunsets were an obsession right. uh, the beauty of, of of just a flower bloom uh, you know a peony the things that we forget as we get older, the shape of a certain cloud. And I, she often would say, and she was a big stargazer, uh, wished on the first star every night, uh, 
she often said, you know, she would look at at the world around her or she taught small children in school and and just adored them and and, and every little thing about them, you know, their their eyelashes and their their sense of wonder and the the perfection of, of a snowflake and no snowflakes being exactly alike. And she looked at all that and was always her, her her faith was based so much in what was around her. And she said, "How can some you know something divine not be around to have created all this?" And so she, no matter how dark things got in her own life, she was always very aware of of what, like I said, most of us get very cynical and jaded and busy, so busy, right, with all of our our uh, work and and whatnot and social media. And but she she never took her eyes off of the other prizes around her. So so that's my long winded way of saying no. She she was wired differently. And well, um, she had a sense of wonder that she said she was very childlike, and I think this is what I appreciated about her. Yet she she really had a very severe a case of depression, and she had such a sadness about her. And as the years went on from the time you were a child, she became a hoarder until there were years and years as an adult you didn't get to go home. I was wondering, since you are producing at a Good Morning America, and there's been so many different shows, you know, reality shows on hoarding, did you ever uh, produce anything about hoarding? Have you, did you study what this was about and what, how this disease comes about? Because there's so much misconceptions about it. Oh, there are so many misconceptions. And and to answer your question, no, I I, I never was given an assignment about hoarding, nor did I seek one out. Uh, You know, I... uh, Yeah, that was more the question, did you seek one out? I, I, uh, you know, I... You know, for me, when the, the, the reality shows came on uh, about hoarding, uh, you know, I, for a millisecond, I was almost relieved because when I was growing up, there was no word for hoarding, and it just wasn't in the vernacular really until ten, fifteen, twenty years ago for being really in the common the common vernacular of, of talking about hoarding. So for a millisecond, I was relieved, thinking, okay, there are others out there. You know, obviously growing up, I knew something was wrong, but there just wasn't a name for it, and it wasn't talked about. It was obviously as as shameful as it is now. It was even more so, I think, then. Uh, And and in any case, quickly, my my relief (laughs) of thinking, okay, there's reality shows about hoarding, turned to horror because of of how hoarding... um, on some of the shows is depicted, um, both in terms of, I think there's such a stereotype and obviously such a negative connotation that hoarding is something, you know, in backwoods trailers and, um, and people are, are ignorant or lazy. Um, there's, a, I think, uh, the stereotype that people just don't want to pick up. And obviously, um, you know, anyone who really knows the situation, I mean, it's a mental health situation. What the, the mess is, 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 is a physical manifestation of, of something else going on, which is, you know, something within that person. And I think so often it's just, um, and also I, I, I really, uh, you know, I any, any families of hoarders know these shows are so over oversimplified you know you get rid of the mass and exactly. <laughs> right it's like and yeah not, right you get rid of the, and everything's okay but that's not right because it's no. a medical condition it's a medical condition we're speaking with Mary Plume Peterson she is the author of White Dresses a memoir of love and secrets mothers and daughters and we're finding out more about what the memoir is really uh, tracing because it's her, her life, her mother's life, and the life of her grandparents. I mean, it's just you, what a fascinating life, though, because there were so many 
crazy things that happened. For example, I mean, your parents, your mother goes to the convent. After 10 years, she leaves. She meets a man named Dale, marries him, and then finds out that he is gay. So your father is gay. Yeah. Uh, how, uh, which in today is not a big deal, but it had to be really hard when you were growing up. And I can't even imagine how difficult it must have been for him or for any person who has a different sexual identity to be in the closet for so long and feel that they have to fit into this box. Uh, but it sounds like your relationship um, today is close. Uh, yes, I mean, we, we have, you know, like so much, uh, you know, so many families, I would say it, it's been complicated, you know, right. um, you know, there's been ups and downs that have, you know, really nothing to do with um, sexuality so much as uh, I think it was more I was the only daughter and I was a protective daughter. So when my, my mother was hurt by my father leaving and more of um, my father's mood swings and he had his own battles with, with depression and I think in terms of coming to terms as well with his new lifestyle and, and, some, other, and some other issues. So, you know, when, when he would lash out at my mother or make her feel sad, I was very protective. So, you know, for years that was rather difficult. And then, of course, as, as you talked about, about um, when he came out and embraced his lifestyle, you know, that was a different time before um, Love won this past summer and, um, you know, this amazing historic summer of legalization of, 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 of gay marriage and the Supreme Court's decision. And, you know, it's very much now, you know, the pendulum has swung where, um, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's very much acceptable and talked about, you know, back when my father came out in the 1980s in a small town in the Midwest, there were many people who honestly believed that nobody was gay. It was a very, very, very different time. My mother, I have to say, you know, really was um, ahead of her time in so many ways, and, and she would, and that included with how she was very accepting of my father. In fact, he he credits her, and I talk about it in the book. He said it's the kindest thing anyone ever said to him that when he was coming out during a joint session with a psychiatrist, and he was having a very difficult time coming to terms with being gay. You know, he he didn't want that. He didn't want that life. Um, he was fighting a lot of demons himself because he was he came from a Catholic farm family in Southern Indiana where he was the only surviving son in his family. An older brother had been killed and there was so much pressure on him, you know, to be this son who carried on the family name and um, who lived an upstanding life and, and that didn't include being gay, uh, certainly back then, uh, certainly in and the And especially the on a farm yeah. family, you're right. supposed to be rough and tough. I mean, my I'm from a farm, My, you know, <laughs> where there were five of us, I always say grapes, walnuts, cattle and kids. But, but yes, your farmers, you're supposed to be, you know, the kind of the brawn of the earth. It had to be incredibly challenging for him. It was. And so when he was having such a hard time coming out, you know, my, my mother was the one that, that said to him, you know, if I can accept, you know, who you are, you know, why can't you? If I can accept this, why can't you? Well, you and, know what uh, was so lovely about that, Mary, too, is... It sounds like literally to the end of your mother's life, she was his confidant. Whereas, you know, so many people in those ages that left their marriages to find their own lifestyle, they just left their families completely behind. Yet your father and your mother remained close because she was so accepting and 
he was somebody she was somebody he could count on to speak with to really you know share his life with that's right. She took it very seriously, just like I think when, when uh, you know, I, I talk about in the book, though she she you know left the convent, she never left the church, <laughs> and 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 I also I felt like to a degree she never stopped really being a nun on the inside. Though you know my parents' Gosh. marriage fell apart, uh, you know when when you know he embraced his 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 new lifestyle, she never really left her commitment. She made those vows, and I think she felt very strongly. You know, that's not to say I mean you know she was you know you know. She, standing by the phone waiting for his every call, but she felt very strongly, um, you know, I, you know, she'd made those vows before God when she married him, and though the marriage was no longer there, she still felt committed to him. Well, it seems like she also poured her love and attention and energy into your brother and you, to her own children, and then to the children that she, she taught, and then to People, because at her funeral, so many people were there, and everyone's yeah. words about her were how kind she was, how yeah. Yeah. how loving she was, and yeah. that sense of wonder, you know, that she brought to the world. It was a joyfulness, even though she didn't have joy really in her own life, in her own personal life. She really was able to exude that to others and help them, you know, live happily. Well, and it also it was- seems that you fulfilled her dreams for her because. You lived the life that she might have wanted to live. I, I think I think so. I think it was very much a case of, and there was no resentment there. I think sometimes, you know, mother-daughter relationships are complicated. One of one of the compliments I've taken from the book, um, some people have compared it to a Midwestern version of the Joy Luck Club, which is, of course, a, a big mother-daughter tale. Right. Uh, and generations, and and, and others have compared it to a little bit of uh, terms of endearment, where that was a complicated mother-daughter relationship. But my mother was not that mother that when I, you know, was was fulfilling these dreams that was resentful. There were there were moments of jealousy. There were moments certainly of wistfulness, more than a few, where she just really saw, especially when I was really traveling and seeing the world. Um, I. I I was very fortunate to be hired by CNN when I was only 20 and started seeing the world soon after. I mean, really seeing the world. I'd gone, I'd already kind of escaped from the Midwest, so to speak. And by escape, it, you know, I, I love the Midwest. It wasn't that I was escaping so much from my home. Right. And it, was, and it was from the house that I was in. And the hoarding had started to really, really um, get bad by the time I was graduating from high school. And I, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be free of that. And, and so I, I went to New York and then, and that was fascinating to my mother. I studied in Rome when I was in college. Um, I wound up, um, you know, then with CNN getting post, posted uh, overseas. So I was, uh, it was in Berlin. She came to see me in Germany. She was fascinated, you know, by this, this, the, all that I was seeing and doing and getting paid to see and do. And then when I moved to Turkey, you know, um, and then I had all kinds of uh, amazing assignments in Malta and other places. And, it was, and then with ABC was covering the, you know, the royal family and the royal engagement of William and Kate. It was a very, um, it was a fascinating time for her because she had loved to write and she had, you know, dreamed of so many of these places. And right. uh, she had, uh, you know, hung up pictures of then Princess Elizabeth before she became Queen Elizabeth in her own bedroom as a child. So it all, suddenly, you know, to see her daughter do these things that she had only dreamed about and also, you know, the, the love life, you know, to go on these kinds of dates, you know, right. when you when had some I was great in loves 20s. in your life, you know, I mean, and of course, now that you married the love of your life, right? 
and a man she really adored. I mean, it meant, it meant so much to me and to her. I mean, that I mean, she she loved seeing me so happy with with my husband. I think as well. Yes. I, um, that she she had a bit of a crush herself, which she admitted. I think it was, um, you know, she was so happy for me. But yes, I mean, there would be mixed in with these moments of, you know, there were a couple of moments where she said, you know, wow, you know, I. She, she at one point it was fascinating. I was, uh, I, I I just fell in love with Malta, and anyone who's out there who's been, it's it's, it's just you know it's an amazing island it's nation amazing off of, of Sicily. Just really really magical castles and temples, and you know just out of a storybook or a fairy fairy tale. And so I, I had told her about this amazing time, and and she said, you know how you know this is she was she was stunned she's like what was i doing you know when i was your age and i had to remind her i said you know you were a nun. you're in the convent you're in the convent right you're in the convent she was scrubbing marble floors on her knees she yes. was you know praying and she was starving to death she was sick i mean she was really having a very challenging time and yes. that's what i think was so good for her although there were moments she was not there for you the times you were in the hospital and you called and said please come there were moments that she lapsed, you know, and, and it was probably because of her depression. But I think for the most part, she just really seemed to enjoy what you were going through and living it as if it was her life. But I want to get to white dresses. The theme, you know, the book is called White Dresses. Your theme is white dresses from wedding gowns and baptismal gowns and first communion gowns. And, uh, you know, the white, it's white, white everything in fact to the point of her being buried in the snow with the white you know I mean was white is white still that feeling for you I mean when you went back to the house you just wanted to get your dresses tell us about that well my, well, white was always something. We loved these white dresses. Um, you know, my mother, and that may seem like such an odd juxtaposition. You know, here's this this woman that lapsed into hoarding, but hoarding still and has white dresses, right? Of, of white, but she um, always, always loved a white dress. She was very strict about the rules. It was between Memorial Day and Labor Day that you were to wear white, and not otherwise, unless you were, you know, getting married or there was a graduation or christening something special involved. But I, when I looked back after her death, well, to answer your question, though, we, we got, you know, it was a, she died suddenly. It was a horrible shock. Uh, I had such a love-hate relationship with my, my childhood home because of the, of the hoarding. I hadn't been allowed back into my childhood home for the last 10 years of my mother's life. And we tried like crazy uh, to get her help in different ways um, without you know, without seizing power power of attorney. Uh, we wanted to keep her dignity intact and we wanted to keep, there was so many wonderful things about her. Um, anyone who knows um, a hoarder well, um, there comes a point you just don't want to unravel their sanity by, by trying to, to get them into a, a safer, cleaner place. It's a, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. So I had such a, a love-hate relationship with this house that I felt like, though it did not cause her death, I felt like certainly did not help the end of her life. Uh, again, she died quite suddenly. She'd been, been healthy. and Anyway, so it was a shock. But when we got to the house, and obviously the house was not in good shape because of, of what had been going on with the hoarding, and I hadn't been in in 10 years, my husband said, you know, get, get what you you know, get what you can, get what, get what's most important. And it was like going in, you always hear these stories and, and 
in a, in a wake of disaster, a fire or whatnot, or if something is, is looming of what are you going to take? And for me, it was the dresses, you know, these, these, these dresses that had, had such significance, um, the white dresses that we wore, we wore on very special days. And that's not to say that they were the happiest days always, um, or the saddest necessarily. Oftentimes there was a lot of bittersweetness, but I, I wanted those dresses. And so that included, uh, her, but I didn't know if they were, they were intact. And so that was, that was scary for me, but I realized, yes, as my husband said, get, get what you, you want most or can't live without. And my first thought went to those dresses. Any pictures I could find, but, but, but the dresses. Um, and, and, and so it was a, a mad search to find the dresses. And we were very, very fortunate to, um, to recover, recover some, some amazing white dresses that I was Were you for. able to recover her white dress from when she became a nun, when she went to the convent? Did no, she still have they, it? Or was that one gone? That became communal property of the, of oh, the, uh, the convent. Yeah, so the convent that became a gown that would wind up being worn by by other other by other nuns. postulants. Or and, that's interesting. And I also you went back to the convent because you had never been there, and there was actually um, a, I loved that that the Jews said that all those mother superiors were so stern. The photos, and then yeah. there was a picture of the smiling priest, and they said it was Father Vincent, and he had been your mother's confidant, and probably saved her life because yes. he really did care for her. Yes. And yes. He, really, it, he empowered her. Yes. I mean, you can read into uh, those who read the book and read into I know. I know. It's true. The There's, who knows, right? I, I, I couldn't know. help but feel, Mary, when I was reading the book, Darn it. Why didn't he leave the priesthood and why didn't yes. they get married? <laughs> yes. Well, I, you know, the one letter, you know, she, she, so the, the, the one, the, the, the house was obviously in disarray at the end of her life. But the, the, the one thing is she kept very, very, very organized and pristine, you know, were, were her letters um, from Father Vincent. He wrote right. to her for years and years, long, lengthy letters. Um, yes. You know, yes. to her, but the in the letter that she kept on top and very close and dear to her was uh, the letter that he he asked my mother not to marry my father. So yes. it, you know, obviously there was something there, um, but yes, he he was he was definitely a lifesaver to her back then. This was I, I must be clear. There were many convents, I'm sure, that were, and from what I, I, I understand, and and my husband and I remain Catholic, and we certainly know our share of nuns. There were convents. They were kinder and gentler. The the order that my mother found herself in uh, at that time was very rigid and, and difficult. And among other things, uh, which her nun friends and I stayed in touch with a couple of them, what they had, you know, you know, indicated that my mother was spot on. And when she had told me some of her stories about how ill she'd been, and she was she was repeatedly told, you know, you're told to pray it off. You were told to pray harder. Right. Um, you know, medical care was a last resort. Uh, it was, uh, and she had some pretty serious um, conditions going on, and uh, was just told to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. And she, you know, it was the implication was, you know, you 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 must be some kind of sinner or just not trying hard enough or perhaps faking it and one of her nun friends said you know uh, you know not only was it that bad with my mother but it was even worse for others including one of their their fellow nuns at that time you know who was told to pray it off pray it off pray it off uh, because of a headache she was having for months and of course when they fi- she finally convinced them to take her to a doctor 
it was it was too late. Too late. I mean, the cancer right. was everywhere. So um, it was just a very different time. So this this man, Father Vincent, uh, my mother credits heavily. It was it took a man because of course at that time when when you're a nun, I, you know it's it's really a situation of anonymity. It's um it's it's uh it was a bit of a second class citizen of the church. I mean in terms well, of well, and the really, priests were always on are always more powerful, and the priests oh, yeah. words always uh, you know today I think it's different, but in those days it was. Well, Really, um, the priests were on top. Well, Mary, we are running out of time, and this is so fun because white dresses and your whole story, I resonate with all of it. It's <laughs> I have my baptismal uh, gown is actually framed. It was my grandfather's, my father's, all of the children, uh, my children, and it's so, you know, fragile now that I had it framed, and I, you know, so I, when I saw the white, the white dresses, it made me think, and I'm in the process of doing the same with my mother's wedding gown, which we all wore in our weddings, too, so... Lots of white dresses. Wonderful. (laughs) uh, So the book is called White Dresses, Mary Plume Peterson. Really, really interesting story. A memoir of love and secrets, mothers and daughters. And for everyone out there who is a mother and has a daughter and has a close relationship or even a tension-filled one, this is a very fascinating book. So we'll give out your Facebook uh, page, and that's facebook.com forward slash Mary Plume Peterson. And the middle name is spelled P-F, is in Frank, L-U-M, Peterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N. Mary, it has been an absolute pleasure. I could talk for hours to you because we have very many things in common. Oh, well, thank <laughs> so you. I've, it's I've it's so been a pleasure. You. Well, this is great success to you with this with this dress with white dresses, with this book, with your memoir. I'm sure that there will be many more to come because your mom is up there overlooking you as your your special guardian angel. And I'm sure she's going to help all of your dreams come true. So congratulations and keep up the high standards and great work that you're doing at Good Morning America and wherever your life takes you. And um, it's also so wonderful that you enjoy being a mom and wife, you know, because it sounds like it's a great life for you. It is. It is. I'm very, very lucky. Thank you so much. Yes, very blessed. Thank you so much. That was Mary Plum Peterson. Her book is White Dresses, A Memoir of Love and Secrets, Mothers and Daughters. Make sure to pick up a copy soon. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in a bit, so don't go away. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do people feel a personal connection to you? Human beings want to feel connected to other people. And work's a logical place to have that need met. I mean, after all, we spend more waking hours at work than in any other activity. Does the working environment allow for and promote the development of strong working relationships? The people who do the work have a valuable perspective. They have ideas. They'd like to share them. You don't need to implement every idea or accept every solution suggested. 
But if you openly ask for and value those ideas, some are going to make a difference. And the process of asking will engage people in powerful ways. Remember, relationships count. They matter. You are the star of your own production. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be The Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a life Thank you so much. This is Cynthia Bryan, and you are listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. That was a fascinating interview with Mary Plume Peterson of White Dresses. I could have talked for the full hour, but we're going to talk a little bit about burnout on the job because we need to recharge our batteries and learn to love where you are. Burnout is one of the biggest problems in the workplace, especially for older workers. In fact, it's actually a major reason that some people retire earlier than they project because they just can't take it anymore. They're sick of the routine playing the game, not having an incentive to push ahead because promotions have dwindled or raises aren't there, if they exist at all. And these are generally the peak earning years of your career, and you just need to stay on the job to help you continue making your retirement account contributions if you have kids in college. There's so many things, obviously, with more people wanting or needing to work that we have to generate new enthusiasm on the job. If you're constantly doing the same old tasks every day, the monotony alone might be dragging you down. So step things up. Scrutinize your current position to a pinpoint a new responsibility you can add that's going to refresh your focus, maybe even scare you a bit. Ask to be assigned a signature project that you've always wanted to launch or volunteer for a new role. You know, this is the stage you don't ever want to coast at your job. You always want to try something different. Is there a special initiative that you can do? Can you raise your hand, you know, at a meeting? Perhaps there's a job share available. Maybe there's an employee out on leave and you can fill that job. Get up to speed. Don't be complacent. You know, if you don't know much about social media, learn. Follow industry thought leader blogs. Join relevant groups on uh, LinkedIn. Participate in the discussion. Connect with your coworkers. Even subtle changes in your behavior each day can have a huge impact. So practice listening and supporting your coworkers. Celebrate their successes. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to build an esprit de corps. 
reach out to new colleagues and those you don't know well. You know, grab lunch, learn what they do, have their backs because every once in a while people may need to talk about something. So grab a cup of coffee, you know, fine tune your relationship and make sure that you can keep burnout at bay because burnout and stress are linked. Burnout, regardless of where and how it occurs, is the result of unbridled stress, stress that is persistently affecting your life and has grown beyond your personal control or doesn't go away despite your your best efforts. It can range from being tired of something to pushing you to the brink of suicide. It is really serious, so don't let it persist. Don't take it lightly. Job burnout takes a toll on your personal happiness and on your success and productivity. You know, burnout can begin with small warning signs, frustration, emotional outbursts, withdrawal, health problems, alienation, substandard performances, or even increased use of drugs or alcohol. So really be careful. You need, it might be a labor of love. If you've lost that love and feeling for your business or your personal life, you got to find out how to get that spark back. And there are plenty of professionals out there who can help you. So remind yourself to get help and to get a professional uh, uh, because without it, that lack of communication and keeping it all inside is going to make an uncertain future for you and probably will lead to the loss of work, the loss of family support, the loss of love, and the loss of your happiness, which we are all entitled to our play and our happiness. Get unstuck. Don't let burnout and the panic around it define who you are. The next time you see a person that's totally burned out with a flushed face, a clenched jaw, eyes bulging, and a tense body with anger, celebrate that it's not your reflection that you're seeing in the mirror and congratulate yourself for a job well done. Thank you so much for being terrific listeners and being here with me on Star Style every single week for Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. I love being your personal growth success coach, and I love bringing you the experts and authors from around the world who can change your life and make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style Productions, visit star-style.com. To get any of my books, visit starstyleradio.net. You can also call our studios, 925-377-STAR. Make a donation to Be The Star You Are at btsya.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. I want you to see beyond your physical being. Know you're already a star. Dream of the past. Cherish the past. But live today. Speak as if everything you want in life is already here. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember, love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. Thanks for joining me here. Have a wonderful week. Sending you blessings and love. Until next Wednesday, 4 to 5. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Be the star you are. Keep caring. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style. Be the star you are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. 
For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.